Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books and Political Science podcast. My name is Heath Brown. Today I'll be talking to Jennifer Lawless, who is the author of Running from Office, Why Young Americans Are Turned Off to Politics. Jennifer has written the book with Richard Fox and is published by Oxford University Press this year. I hope that you really enjoy this interview that I did with her today. Welcome back to the New Books and Political Science podcast. My name is Heath Brown, and today I'm talking with Jennifer Lawless, who is the co-author of Running From Office, Why Young Americans Are Turned Off to Politics, published by Oxford University Press. Jennifer Lawless, how are you doing today? I'm fine. Thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure. Um, Maybe you could tell us just a little bit about yourself and also your co-author, Richard Fox. Um, So introduce uh, the, the authors to this book. Sure. I am a professor of government at American University, where I'm also the director of the Women in Politics Institute. And Richard is a professor of political science at Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles. And for the last almost 20 years, we've been studying political ambition, why people run for office. We focus specifically on women and why women are less likely than men to run for office. But when we decided to focus on the next generation and young people, we realized that we have a crisis out there. Young people are not interested in running, men or women. And that's what this book is really about. Yeah, and let's let's talk about that um, because you, I think what you're what you do in this book is is you empirically answer the, the the question that a lot of people already assume, but but because you do it in such an interesting and rigorous way, it makes it just a great read. So let's start with this impression that we all have that that things are just getting worse. Is it true that the 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 broad public, before we get to the younger public, the the broad public. That's a much more negative view of politics now and in the past. Um, to what extent is that actually true? It is true. If we compare people's impressions of how effective government is right now, how much they trust government, the levels of approval they have for Congress, the numbers over the course of the last 20 years or so have taken a substantial dip. And people just don't have much faith in their political institutions, in the president, in members of the House of Representatives or the Senate. And quite frankly, Washington has given them plenty of reason to have doubts. We don't have to look beyond the government shutdown from the fall of 2013 to see government at its least effective and its most dysfunctional. And that's basically the environment that people have become accustomed to. When you ask people if they think that Congress would function more effectively if every single member were replaced with just a random person walking down the street, 50 percent of Americans say yes. So this is clearly a social problem, and I think it's a social problem that, that many people would, would assume. But why should we worry about this in particular for younger Americans? Why, why, before we get to the actual evidence, why is this just, this just a, a, a normative issue that we should worry about? Well, Richard and I think it's problematic for two reasons. The first is that a lot of research in other disciplines finds that the kinds of jobs, career aspirations, and goals that adolescents and young adults express actually map onto the things that they ultimately do. 
And so if young people have grown up in this environment and are turned off to politics and have decided now that they're not interested in running for office, there's a very good chance that those attitudes will be quite tenacious and they're not going to change. So those impressions will stick with them. The second reason that it matters to us normatively is that there are 500,000 elective offices in this country. And it may be the case that Congress isn't necessarily functioning that well, but there are a half a million offices that are located not at the federal level. And if young people are not interested in those offices either, because they're thinking about politics through this national lens, then we're worried that the best and the brightest of the next generation won't rise to the occasion. So you and your co-author fielded a, a quite a large-scale survey of this. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you collected your data? What, what were your methods to, to figure this out empirically? Well, we thought we needed to do two things. The first was we needed a national survey of young people's interest in running for office. To us, it was a very important question, but there were actually no previous systematic studies of how high school and college students felt about one day running for office. So we contracted with GFK, which used to be Knowledge Networks, to compile for us a national random sample. And we were able to use National Science Foundation funding to run the survey. So we wound up with about 4,000 responses from a random sample of 13 to 25-year-olds. The next thing we did was conduct 115 hour-long interviews with a sample of those respondents so that we could delve a little bit more deeply into their attitudes about their responses to the survey questions. Because most importantly, we wanted the book to be readable. We didn't want to just provide people with tons of data. We wanted to be able to elaborate on those data using the words of the young people themselves. And so we conducted the survey in the fall of 2012. We did the follow-up interviews in the summer of 2013. So I wonder if you can just uh, briefly tell us just just sort of first about um, whether younger Americans want to get involved in politics. What's just sort of the, the first first finding from the book? And I wonder if you could talk about this in the context of an interview that you did um, that, that illustrates this, I, because I think um, we'd all be kind of interested when you sat down for an hour. You know what, it, what it's like to talk to somebody um, who, who might not be interested uh, about politics. Do they. Are they turned off by the entire idea? Are they turned off to, to aspects of the idea? So can you talk about those, those two elements of the project? Sure. Well, the short answer to what did we find was that the overwhelming majority of young Americans are not interested in running for office. Eighty nine percent had said that this was not something that they would consider doing. And what was particularly interesting to us was that it didn't matter how we asked the question. When we asked, have you ever considered running for office, 89% said no. When we said, is this something that you are pretty sure you want to do in the future, 93% said no. When we gave young people hypothetical career options and asked them to tell us what they would most prefer to be, even if these jobs paid the same amount of money, they placed most other jobs far ahead of being a mayor of a city or town or even a member of Congress. And we saw the same thing in the interviews. We spoke to these young people and we just asked them explicitly whether they would be interested in running. And our responses basically fell into two categories. There was sort of befuddlement and then there was derision. For a small group of these people, it was just a completely bizarre question. They had never thought about running for office, in part because it was so unappealing that even an inkling of a thought was quickly dismissed. 
But for most, there was this visceral reaction where without us even prompting them to say much, they would quickly mention to us that they're not like the people in Congress. They're not like the people who run this country. They are not self-interested. They are not dishonest. They want to improve society, but they don't think that electoral politics is the way to do it. So they weren't turned off to the topic of politics. They were happy to speak to us about running for office, but they had some very clear attitudes toward why it was something that they found fundamentally unappealing. So why might this be? Um, it, this is a, uh, the, a, a large um, and, and pretty major finding. But tell us about some of the correlations that you found between the, the, the various lives that young Americans lead and their political ambitions. Are there any categories of young Americans that, that stand out for their somewhat higher levels of ambition? Or, or is this across the board, young uh, male and female, black and white? Tell us, tell us about some of those connections you found. Well, demographically, the story looks very much the same, regardless of whether you're male or female, black or white, wealthy or from a more economically challenged family. Didn't matter what region of the country you were from either. The three categories of explanations that we uncovered, though, map on to young people's lives. So the first had to do with family. The fact of the matter is that most young people do not experience political discussions, or any sort of politicized upbringing. Three quarters of them don't talk regularly with their parents about politics, don't talk about politics at mealtime. Most never received any kind of encouragement to run for office from their parents. Only 2% reported that both parents told them that one day this is something they might want to do. The people who did grow up in these politicized homes, who did regularly engage with family members about politics, were more likely to say that they were interested in running for office. That was just not a very common family background. The second factor had to do with their school and their peers and their media habits, basically how they navigate their day-to-day -day lives. And there, too, in all of those realms, politics was just not something they wanted to discuss. When they had an opportunity to take political science or government classes, when they could, they opted out. They chose not to talk about politics with their friends because they thought it could lead to arguments and they were not interested in that. And they said that they were much more interested in following other types of things on the web, on TV, when having conversations. And so, again, the people who did immerse themselves in politics were more interested in running, but they were unlikely to do it. And then the third explanation had to do with their exposure to politicians. People who were inspired by even one political figure were far more likely to say that they wanted to run for office someday. But negative attitudes toward contemporary politicians were much more common than positive assessments. So th these are these are pretty damning finding, findings that that uh, that you reach. Um, how concerned are you about th this? Uh, do you leave this deeply, deeply pessimistic about the future or, or are you an optimist and, and see things that maybe that, that can be done without major, major change in the, the world that we live in? How, how do you end the writing of this book? We try to provide a few suggestions that we think could be a plausible way to chart a new course. And these suggestions are not contingent on politicians changing their behavior or the media changing the kinds of things that they determine newsworthy, because quite frankly, we think it's unlikely that either of those things would happen. So what we try to do is come up with explanations and come up with suggestions 
that would require young people to become more politically interested. And the reason that we link political interest to our suggestions is because the 11% of people who said they might be interested in running for office had more political exposure. So yes, they saw all of the negative aspects. They saw all of the things that turned off a lot of young Americans. But because they were more politically connected and politically interested, they also saw a lot of positive aspects and a lot of people solving problems. So we figured that if we could get more young people to have more exposure, they might see more positive things as well. And so the most obvious way to do this, we think, is by linking political aptitude to the college admissions process. It's possible right now to go to college and to get into even an excellent school, knowing very, very little about the way American government works, about world affairs, about the way that the political system functions. If we could provide young people with an incentive to follow current events and politics a little bit more, because that would increase their odds of getting into an excellent school, that might be one way, for example, to generate increased interest and then ultimately increased exposure to what is good out there. Now, have you talked to your own students about this? We have the, the funny thing that we're probably teaching that 11 percent uh, by and large. And, and you'd guess that the 89 percent probably uh, by and large are not majoring in political science or government. When you talk to students about this, what's their reaction? Have they, are, are they are they surprised by this? Uh, do they are they embarrassed by this for those those political science students that, that I'm sure you see on a pretty regular basis? Have you gotten reactions to the book? So the book came out uh, just this month, and the semester is over. I'll be assigning it and speaking in various classes in the fall. But as I was putting together the book, and as Richard and I were in the process of drafting several of the chapters, we did share the results with our students. And quite frankly, they were not at all surprised. Most of them do fall into that 11%, but their friends don't. And they, like several of the people that we interviewed, told us, quite frankly, that even they don't have conversations with their friends about politics because it just doesn't seem like it's a productive use of time. All it winds up doing is leading to conversations about how ineffective people are, about how it's not a way to solve problems. And sometimes it can even lead to confrontation. And what we found particularly interesting was that because young people today have only grown up in an environment with increased party polarization, with constant fighting and bickering, it doesn't occur to them that you can actually have a substantive political debate about an important issue and then still go for a drink with the person afterward if you disagree. That's just not the Washington they know. It's really interesting, and, and um, uh, I, I learned a lot. Uh, these, these are things that I think uh, uh, many people worry about, but, but actually seeing them, them uh, dramatized in the way that you do in the book is, is really interesting. Um, the book, again, is uh, Running from Office, Why Young Americans Are Turned Off to Politics. The authors, Jennifer Lawless and Richard Fox, uh, published the book this year with Oxford University Press. Jennifer, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you.